0: It's not the typical Christmas message. And yet, it is so important that we get this right because John is out in the wilderness screaming at the top of his lungs, make ready the road. The Savior is here. The coming judgment is here. Prepare yourselves. I love the song Joy to the World. We sing that every Christmas. Um, It could be a song that we sing year-round because... There are words in it that are so important to our lives as we are believers and as we are moving through the world and the year. Let every heart prepare him room. That's the most important part of that verse in the beginning of Joy to the World. Let every heart prepare him room. And we just sing it and we skip right over it and we make our preparations as we need, but do we make... Room. And what does that look like for Christians today living here to proclaim, let every heart prepare him room? Well, it's exactly the same thing that John is screaming about in the wilderness. It's the same thing that people are leaving the city, leaving the urban area of Judea to come to the wilderness to listen to him say, to proclaim, to listen to him preach the word of the coming of God make the road ready he is coming but we need a path for him to walk on John's message to the people who have followed him to the wilderness is prepare you need to prepare for what's coming next you need to prepare your hearts you need to prepare your lives you need to prepare the rooms to receive him and so much of what Jesus' ministry was about was people who had not prepared enough to receive him. The story of his birth, there is not enough room in the house where they want to stay, so they end up in the same place that the animals are lying. And at the very end of his ministry, as he's riding a donkey, that I like to picture the donkey that was there at the beginning, the donkey there at the end, And saying, I'm going to ride into the city and it won't be glorious and it won't be with an army and it won't be with thousands of soldiers. But I will stand at the city gates and I will weep because Jerusalem did not prepare room for me. They didn't prepare their lives or their hearts or a place for me to come and dwell among them. Prepare the way, make straight paths for the Lord. This is the prophecy in Isaiah. This is the prophecy that John is pushing us toward, saying, Now is the time to prepare. But John's preparation, and this is the part that we get so confused about. This is the part that upsets us a little bit because John's preparation is not, let's hang the greens, let's make the tree pretty, let's do our shopping, let's get all of that stuff done. It's not the warm fuzzies associated with a little baby born in a manger. It's not the warm fuzzies that we associate with Christmas, the singing of carols and the the giving of our money and our time and opening gifts and being with family. Prepare your heart to receive all of that. Jesus is the reason for the season. That fills us with warmth. That fills us with a sense of nostalgia. We loved it the way it used to be. And often our preparation is that, just that. I'm ready for Christmas. And remember, it's about Jesus born in a manger. And John says, ah, it's a little bit more than that. Because why is Jesus the reason for the season? Why does Jesus have to come in the first place? The ancient practice of Advent was not about candles. It wasn't about holding vigils. It wasn't necessarily even about waiting. The ancient practice of Advent was about judgment, and wrath, it was about fasting and prayer and it was about turning from what you had done and living in a new way. Waiting was filled with this nervous anticipation about the judgment on God's people and the rest of the world. But Jesus is the reason for the season because this world is in need of judgment. This world is in need of something that comes and says, this is not the way it's supposed to happen. We shouldn't be living this way. But to the rich, judgment is filled with fear, while the poor and oppressed, it represents their day in court. So when you flock out of Jerusalem, when you come from Judea and go into the wilderness to listen to this message that John has given you, These weren't the rich people. These weren't the people that had power. These weren't the politicians. The Pharisees and the Sadducees were looking on in disbelief and horror and grief. Because John's message has reached the people at the margins, the oppressed, the poor, the people that were overtaxed and overburdened and underfed. Because to them, the coming of God's judgment represents, yes, now something will be done. Now something will rectify the things that I see in life that are so bad, that are so wrong, that are so upside down with what I see preached in the scriptures. And John's message was one, not just of fear, but of hope. It was of hope that says, your day is coming. The righteous will receive judgment. The unrighteous will receive judgment. Because the one who judges, the one who brings all of these things under the tent of God, is here now. And so his preparation is not just about Jesus, it's not just about Christmas, it's not just about waiting in hope and joy and peace and all the warm fuzzies that gives us, but it's preparation through repentance. And we can't stand that message. We cannot stand to be bullied through this message. I don't need repentance. I'm following Christ in my life. There's no need for me to repent. I'm going to stay in the city where I've built up nice walls for myself. I'm going to stay here where it's nice and cozy. And let those other people repent. Let those other people do what they need to do. The Greek word for repent is metanoia, and it literally means taking on a new mindset. It actually has the connotation of taking a U-turn or changing course. There's that word road again. Taking a new road, making a straight path for the Lord. We just don't make the path We ride the path with the Lord as he comes down. And John says the best way to make a straight path for the Lord, the best way to prepare room in your heart for God is to repent, to change course, to turn your back on everything that you've been doing. In fact, John had literally turned his back on Judean society in several ways. He established residency in the wilderness. He started to live out in the wild, in the desert, where he ate locusts and wild honey. And he adopted a new way of clothing, uh, wearing different clothing, um, and his diet was so different. And in fact, a lot of commentators have observed that John's... um, whole style what he was going for was very reminiscent of the prophets in the old testament that one might even say that john the baptist still is a prophet of the old testament maybe the very last one as he's declaring what's going on here in jesus's return But like Elijah, John is challenging the ethos and the corrupt practices of political and religious leaders. He's standing in front of them and calling them out. You brood of vipers, he calls them. You snakes. Look what you've created. I've had to retreat to the wilderness to get the message of God into the hearts of the people around us. I've had to take the message to a new place, a new location. I've had to go away from your walled-off silos, your palaces to in order to enact real change. The action John calls us to is repentance. He says don't waste this time, just like Jesus said don't waste this time. John is saying, don't waste this time. But instead of serving, instead of filling that time with the good works that Christ has called us to, John takes the other turn and he says, instead of wasting this time, you need to use this time now to repent. The baptism that I'm giving you, I'm washing the sins. You're declaring and confessing your sins and the baptism that we're doing here is representative of that. Now, Judaism never believed that baptism washed sins away. That was all in the covenant. That was all in the sacrifice. But what John is saying is first you have to confess your sins and then I baptize you. And that is the symbol of that. Now our baptism in Christ is through the Holy Spirit where we are married to him, where we are coming together, where we've declared Christ to be our king. It includes a confession of sin, but it also also includes a confession of Christ as our Lord, Baptism doesn't make that so. Baptism is a symbol of that, just as a wedding ring is a symbol of marriage. Your baptism is that. And so John points us to a better baptism. He points us to a better cleansing. He points us to a better immersion by the Holy Spirit who comes and works in our lives that we don't have to have this system of sacrifice or the system that we have to go in and pay for. John says, a better thing is coming. And in this judgment, I want you to confess your sins and it will happen just like this. And so repentance is not so much about our guilty feelings as it is about God's power to transform us into Christ's image. Repentance doesn't lead us to more guilt. It doesn't lead us to more shame. It says, I trust you, God, My life is in your hands now. When I repent, when I turn away, God, I want you to use my life. I want you to transform my life. I want you to be in my life. Holy Spirit, come and work in me. Because anything else that I do in preparation for the Lord, in serving the kingdom, in prayer, in giving, It's not going to matter because my heart has not turned from my old ways. Repentance and faithful living are about much more than just sin avoidance. And so John takes us to the wilderness. He says sin avoidance is just living in the city close to home close to those things that are going on, close to that oppression, close to that injustice. If you just wanna be a Christian that's a sin avoider, you can do those things right here. But John says, let me take you to the wilderness so you can hear a little bit more about what it means to live in repentance for everything, what it means to live as a faithful person, what it means to live as a repentant heart It means getting far, far away from sin. From all of those things that corrupt us, from all of those things that tempt us, from all of those things that bring us crashing back to earth. Yeah, I've prepared my heart for God. I've prepared room for the Lord. I have made straight the paths. And yet I'm living so close to sin That every second of the day, I'm still tempted just to fall back into that. John says, let's retreat. This is the voice calling from the wilderness, not yelling because no one will listen, but yelling, telling us to come closer. This is how we should live. Our actions and faith are truly about turning away from sin and narrowing the space between our actions and God's hope where God has his will for our lives, where we proclaim him in all that we do and we obey him and we listen to him and we serve his needs to the people around us. But sin says you don't need to serve God's people, you can serve yourself. You can look inwardly. John uses that picture of wilderness to paint a picture of life in the kingdom. But see, judgment is only to be feared when you think that judgments will go against you. It's important to then read the words of John with the appropriate joy and hearing about the coming judgment and Christ as the judge who vindicates the righteous. Do we think that all of the people of Judea and the whole of the Jordan district were streaming into the wilderness for fear of judgment? Or do we rather think that they were there to celebrate the coming change? That's where I think they are. I think they had finally heard the voice of Christ, finally heard the prophet, the forerunner, because for 400 years it had been silent. We end at Malachi and we say, this is it. Someday there will be hope and we can live in hope for 400 years in some odd years. And here's John now crying from the wilderness saying to us, "Listen, it's here. The time to repent is now. Judgment is upon us." Everything that you need to do now is to turn from sin, to turn from the things that we do. This passage looks forward to the great grand transition That awaits us, the advent of a new age that can be reached only by finding a way through the wilderness and living through judgment into hope. And that's what this whole thing is about, about this hope that the coming of Christ brings with it judgment for the righteous, that we will be seen as the righteous people. Those holy and set apart for God, for doing his work, for doing his preparation. The preparation to which John calls Israel, like the preparation to which Advent calls to us, calls to the church, it happens not as self-purification, but rather by way of radical trust that Christ himself is working to purify us and the world around us to become a dwelling place Fit for himself. Let every heart prepare him room. Make straight the paths. Make ready the road for Christ. Because this is his dwelling place, this is our dwelling place. We come through that wilderness, we accept the judgment, and we are seen vindicated. And so Jesus represents this revolutionary change in the thinking of Israel. It represents this unbelievable idea of who we are and how we fit into the world around us. What we see is that evil prospers. What we anticipate, what we literally live for in Advent is the fulfillment of the transformative justice of the kingdom, when right will be vindicated as right and wrong clearly identified as wrong. And this is a great, the greatness of our age is that we have so much information available to us. We have so many ideas as to what we think are right and wrong and we can debate that in the public space. And sometimes we want to shut down ideas that we don't agree with. And sometimes we want to Um, give a a very big platform to ideas that we do agree with. the problem is Jesus is going to clear all of this up for us. The hope and and the, the anticipation that we live in in Advent is that right will be called right and wrong will be called wrong and those that follow God will be vindicated. We've prepared the way We've taught those things. We've immersed ourselves and others in the love of Christ. What John and Advent remind us is that repentance is not primarily about our standards of moral worthiness, but rather about God's desire to realign us to accord with Christ's life. Advent is the great realigning. Advent is at the beginning of the year of the church because we need to once again realign ourselves with Christ's life, with his will, with his love, with his grace. And we get to look into our lives and we get to see what we recognize. That is also Christ. Repentance is not so much about our guilt feelings, but it's about God's power to transform us into Christ's image. John is inviting those in a position of power and privilege to cease their complicity in oppressive structures and just to turn their back on all of those structures of inclusion, exclusion that have become prevalent in Judea. What are we imagining for ourselves? What are we imagining for the church? A place where we all gather, a place where we are called out from the city into the wilderness. And John very clearly says the things that are unworthy, the things that do not turn, the things that do not practice repentance, the ax is already at the root of that tree. The coming judgment has numbered its days. And so we can prepare when we remember God's promises to nurture this trust and faithful service to the world as it affirms it as we look back, as we remember God's faith and trust and promise in our lives, we can nurture that repentance and that preparation. We can open that space in our lives and in our heart to say, this is the new way of life. In fact, participation in the new kingdom requires a new worldview. It also requires us to turn our backs on everything that we've been participating in That isn't of the kingdom. That isn't of a place that God has said, this is the way forward. This is what the new kingdom looks like. This is what our hearts look like. This is not the typical Christmas message. This is not one where we've focused on the manger, where we've focused on the angels or the shepherds. We've focused on a kind of strange man standing in the wilderness, yelling at the top of his lungs, the tree's coming down. What have you done in your hearts to prepare yourselves for that? This is the joy that we feel at Christmas. This is the joy that we can Bring in our hearts because we know we stand justified. We stand as part of the righteous. But today, we wanna practice that righteousness. We wanna practice that turning from the things that have no merit, that have no place in the kingdom, that have no existence in the future. We want to look to those things and know with hope that we have been saved. Will you join me in prayer? Father, as we prepare our hearts for communion, as we dwell in your space, this is so much judgment. This is so much... Fear, this is so much anticipation of what comes next.